All right. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the US Talk Season 2. I hope you all are doing good and are safe. My name is Priyanka, and I am a UX researcher and trainer. Before we begin with the talk, I would like to introduce Mr. Tushar Deshmukh. UX expert is one of the top 10 user experience service provider companies in India. And Mr. Tushar Deshmukh is the founder and CEO of the UX expert. He is also the director of the UX UI training lab which provides professional training in human computer interaction, usability, user psychology, user research, prototyping tools, and front-end development. And Tushar is working towards many more courses related to UX to be launched soon. Through this platform, he is not only training for people, but also provides jobs as well as entrepreneurship opportunities to his students. He is a visiting professor at Symbiosis Institute of Design and has given speeches at various other conferences. He has been working in this field for more than 20 years now. He works as a UX consultant for various other companies. Thank you, Tushar, for creating such an amazing platform on behalf of all the UXers. Thank you. Today, we have Nina and her partner and husband, Dirk, with us. Nina is a freelance qualitative researcher, moderator, and workshop facilitator with over a decade of experience in bringing life to successful projects, from global innovation processes to multinational research setups. Nina combines strategic and analytical acumen with serious people skills. He, and she is also a founder and CEO of Meadows Academy. She has an academic background in psychology and communications. She is a well-trained qualitative researcher and is in the business for over 15 years with a track record of working on the key accounts of some of the largest FMCG players worldwide. She stepped into UX research a while ago by faith. As interim, interim manager, she led the UX research department of Germany's biggest vehicle online marketplace for, uh, for six months. A year later, she built the UX research department for the German e-scooter startup Tire Mobility from scratch. She has held senior positions at research companies such as Research International, Kantar TNS Infratest, and Point Blank in her career. She has successfully set up moderated and analyzed qualitative studies on the national, European-wide and global levels. While Nina is a senior researcher in consumer goods and US research, her husband Dirk has been a sales guy for most of his professional life. And today they will join forces to explore the, and debunk some common prejudices and misconceptions that each of those departments often holds against each other and how especially research and sales can profit immensely from each other's work and become an unlikely but strong alliance in our, any company. Welcome, Nina, and welcome, Dirk. Well, thanks for that lovely introduction, and thanks for having us. Thank you very much for having us. We're happy to be here. Uh, so before we begin with the session, I would request to you all, please keep your microphones and your cameras off. And uh, thank you. Tushar? Yes. Uh, thanks, Priyanka. As 
usual your wonderful introduction and again i am welcome uh, lena and greg for this wonderful talk uh, i very much thank for taking us time for this uh, ux talk and i hope today uh, the, our topic which we have decided will bring lot of new uh, there are a lot of myths around research and everything so hopefully this will be a very um, helpful for all kind of a people today we have uh, for who are a beginner who are making career in user research so so let's we can start on this uh, and i can hand over to both of you and uh, i already have given share right so please continue and after that we will have a small q and sessions where uh, participant i request if you have any question uh, so please put that question in the chat box so end of the session we will collect take all uh, questions at a time uh, so that our speaker will not disturb while uh, giving their session uh, so thanks once again for all of us uh, for participating i know there is lot of uh, uh, today's what we have today our, uh, the environment of covid and everything so still in that work from home all things you have taken time and uh, and now I, I hand over to both of you and we can you can start with this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Thank you, Warren. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's great uh, being in this UX talk today. We do have a very sunny day in Berlin. Um, but I would say let's talk about the really important stuff. And we will start with the, our presentation. Research and sales, an unlikely alliance, question um, mark. Thanks for joining us for this presentation, or rather this conversation, I would say. We already had like really amazing um, introduction of my side, so I don't want to say so much more about me, but maybe you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, I, my name is Dirk, and I've, like uh, Priantia already uh, very nicely said, I've been a sales professional for most of my uh, professional career. I started in sales and then <clears throat> evolved into sales management where I built B2B sales teams in a variety of uh, industries. Uh, I, was, uh, I built the sales team of an ad tech startup here in Berlin. Um, I, was, uh, I was working in the image licensing industry at Getty Images and Corbis and uh, also led in a sales team uh, at a SaaS company, at Digital Asset Management. So uh, I think that's enough for, for, <laughs> for you to know about our backgrounds. Okay, but uh, of course, we would like to get to know you a little bit. So um, please go on mentimeter.com um, and insert that code. I'm also copying the link to this little survey into the chat just have to stop the presentation at this point and um press the chat here we go so please use that link i just posted or also see the details here because we would like to know with whom we are in this call and who dialed in. Our first question is, hey, what's your job title or kind of what's your background? If you're a student, like type in student. 
and on the top of the site, you do see the site word to dial in, menti.com, and use that code. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Project manager, digital experience design, senior UX designer, UX design lead. We have a lot of interesting people in very, here. Very, very cool. Don't yeah. we? Designer. Graphic designer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Visual designer. A lot of design background, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Up to now, we don't have any salespeople, you know, just looking at it. So everyone's happy to, to yeah. hear about your experience. Yeah. Um, Front-end developer, design lead. Cool. UX researcher. That's great. Let's go to the second question we have. So this was about your job title. We would now be interested in, have you ever experienced a fruitful collaboration between sales and research team at your workplace? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, one-on-one, yes. on, one on one. Let, yeah. let, let's see um, how this race um, finishes. I have a little feeling, but I'm not gonna <laughs> jinx it. Oh, oh okay. Let's see what happens. I'm, I'm actually, I'm really curious about it. It kind of feels like um, this race. So we had eight people answering. I think we had around about 26 in the call. So we give you some more time to, uh, uh, I think the no is getting stronger. Yeah. Let's wait. Okay, um, <laughs> 11 people voted, 90. Three, ten to three. I think it's uh, pretty obvious. It's I pretty think. obvious, <laughs> and I think that actually it's good that we're talking about this topic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so let's let me stop this one and let's go back into our presentation. So. We now know um, who is with us in the room. So let's start with the problem and actually kind of like the background of why we are here today and why we want to chat with you about the topic. The problem of how it started. Um, I'm consulting a lot of startups when it comes to UX research. And last year, someone is eating crisps. Yeah, someone is Disney eating crisps. not muting. With, with a non-muted <laughs> microphone is eating something crispy. <laughs> Okay, but uh, yeah, well, I was I was uh, working um, with a startup last year, B2B um, software as a service provider. So they were building software for the B2B environment and they were planning to build a new project, uh, a new product, um, a new feature. Well, needless to say, it was necessary to talk to the users to really make sure that this product or this new feature would be a success. So I was working with the design department and we were talking about, okay, how, how do we reach out to the users? I mean, if I'm working in a B2C, so business to consumer environment, it's quite easy. I mean, potentially you can even stand in front of the supermarket and ask those people who just bought your product or your category, do you have some time to chat with me? B2B, of course, is more difficult. It's more targeted. It's like really the experts. You really want to talk to those people who are using the software. So we did have challenges recruiting partners for the interviews. And back then, I was just like, you know what? Why don't we just talk to the sales team? Actually, because I said that. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I said, why don't they talk to their sales teams? Their sales team, they are in contact with their clients all the time. So we did talk to the sales teams and I was hoping that they said like, hey, yeah, no problem. I have this long list of contacts. Anyhow, you know, let's schedule some uh, interviews for user research. However, they didn't only, how to say, close the door in front of me, but they rather built a high wall. So it wasn't a no, but a very strong no. And I was just like, what's going on here? Honestly, I don't understand it. And that's what actually made made us talking, which started us talking. Yeah, the, in, in most companies, the, the, the product, the research department and the sales department, they don't really work together closely if they even know that the other exists. I mean, most people know that the sales department exists, but the salespeople might not even be aware what the research department is up to and what they're actually doing. And if they're aware of each other, they might not have the highest opinion uh, of the of the other of the other department in the other group. And our marriage consists of a sales guy and a research person. So of course we talk and we work closely together. And in this particular instance, got us talking about how those, those two departments could work more closely together if they would, first of all, overcome some of the prejudices and some of the myths and misconceptions about what the other guys are up to and what the other department actually does all day and so that's uh so that's what we what we want to start with today um and nina's going to start with all the myths and the misconceptions <laughs> the, biases. That, the, the biases that she had towards salespeople when we got into that conversation yeah because i think that was a very uh, important thing because i thought like hey guys and girls i i just need some some contacts you know help me because i want to build um, a better product um, with the design team and with the product team and us talking over our dinner i we realized like well i do have though being married to one i have some biases um when it comes to salespeople, because i had the bias like okay you know what sales guys just don't listen to their clients but they just want to push the product and get the deal or and honestly they're not really good in asking questions and ah, numerous times I had like salespeople standing next to my desk in the office when we still sat in offices, um, you know, like blowing up anecdotes because they just hang up the phone uh, talking to one client, like blowing up anecdotes and um, saying like, okay, I really, really need this and blaming the product um, why not they couldn't close the deal because it's so obvious that that is needed. So those were like my main biases when it came to the sales. And I was really surprised and uh, because because what a lot of people, the, a lot of that misconception comes from comes from uh, the difference in, in various sales forms. Um, a sophisticated B2B sales process is not like someone on a market selling you vegetables um, because those people are in a market with other people with other the same vegetables and they really want to push the product out to you through price or something or they they tell you something about the product and then they want to make a quick sale and in, in sophisticated b2b sales it is essential that you know exactly what your clients needs are and you you build a relationship and you don't sell at the first call you might sell depending on the product at, at the fifth seventh call and during that period of time you establish a relationship and that only works if 
you have an eye-to-eye -eye conversation with that other person and if you really know what their pains are and uh, and once you have that sweet spot and you actually know what their what their uh, what their wishes and needs are only then can you successfully sell b2b products so um, salespeople, good salespeople are a lot better in asking questions that most people might be aware of. Um, and as for the thing with the anecdotes, of course, that is something where salespeople could actually need, could actually use research as input. Because of course, when you build this relationship with a potential client and you work on this guy for three months and he always tells you, if I would have this one button more, then I would close the sale right away. Then of course that re that sales guy is going to go to research a product and say, "Build me that button. I need this sale." But research can actually figure out to help you. Why does he want that button? Is it really that button, or is it there's some underlying need that I not might not be aware of as a salesperson? Well, let's have a look at like um, the biases you had when it comes to researchers. Yeah, so for me as a salesperson, I just thought, you know, if I let researchers talk to my clients, they're just going to destroy those carefully built connections that I built because they come in, they do their, their little interview and then they go out. And I talk to these people every day and uh, it's going to be problematic. And I also thought if another person from my company talks to those clients, how does that reflect on my skills to find out about the client's needs? You know, the, there probably will be similar question that I already asked and the client will think, what? I, I, I told this to Dirk a million times. Why is, why is this other person from the same company now asking those exact same questions differently phrased? And, um, and the, the third the what what a sales guy white fear is that you you tell your client yeah please talk to our research department please make make uh, time for an interview and they do it and they give this feedback to the product departments it's like we need this button and then the button doesn't never appear and uh, and then the sales guy will say okay you know like now he's really frustrated because you but you specifically asked him what he wants in the product. You told him the button and now the button doesn't come. So, or the, the, the feature that he's waited for so long. So these are the things why salespeople might be a little reluctant to give their contacts and their precious clients to those researchers. Well, and I think what was most interesting for me when I, when I listened to Dirk, I realized that actually there was a big misconception what research actually does and what different roles like sales teams and research have. Because, well, you are afraid that I will destroy your carefully built connection with your client. But the thing is, I am actually building a different connection. Um, because as a research team or as a researcher in those interviews, when talking to the clients or to the users, I do have a completely different role. Um, and actually, when thinking about it, I'm in research since over 18 years now, and I realized there is like some lines I start each and every interview with. And the line is like, well, first of all, there is no right or wrong answer. Um, but most important, I, as a researcher, am completely neutral. 
So no matter what you will tell me in these 30, 60, 90 minutes where we have this interview, I will like neither get a bonus or get fired because you love something I'm talking about with you or you there is something you don't like it, but I'm, I'm just there to, to really understand needs and problems that can later on be fed into product development. So I, I, I'm, I'm coming in with like, like a total different position and I'm actually also building another um, connection. So whatever I will talk about with um, these users, this will actually not reflect back like, oh, that company doesn't know what they're doing, but it's rather the other way around, I realized in all my research, that clients are actually quite happy that they are finally asked apart from sales talk, like, hey, honestly, what works well? What doesn't work well? What would make your life easier? And actually, what I found quite interesting, like um, the last um, bias we had there, like the feedback I collect isn't used and my client is disappointed uh, and me is their direct uh, contact. Actually, a question a good researcher never asks is what do you want? <laughs> yes, yeah. stuff that so, I didn't know. <laughs> um, be, be, because, I mean, um, if I ask people what do they want, most of the time they can't tell me. Um, but I can ask, like, what problem do you want to have solved? Or what are, like, the challenges you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? Please tell me why that is a challenge, why that makes a challenge. And I'm collecting all that stuff, writing an analysis, and later on, product team can think about a solution. But I would never ask people, like, hey, what do you want? Because, yeah, they want to win the lottery. So um, having looked at like those biases and busting the biases, um, we really felt like, honestly, um, it's time to form an alliance. And we could already see, like, based on the survey we did at Mentimeter, that most of you probably didn't have such a fruitful collaboration with research and sales team up to now. However... I think it's essential that that alliance is there and that collaboration, because at the very end of the day, we're both working with the same common goal. We both want to reach the same thing because both of our teams want to ensure that we do have a focus on the user and that we develop a product that the user really needs and that solves a problem of the user. So actually we are, how do you say, not working against each other or running into different directions. Um, I'd rather say we run into the same directions, but up to now there are quite high walls between the teams and we feel it's time to tear down those walls. Exactly, and so so when we've, once we busted those, those myths with, with each other, and we came to the conclusion that Nina just made that we're actually working on the same things. The next step that we did was that we asked ourselves, um, how can we profit from each other aside from not, you know, just maybe liking each other better. But uh, so where's the actual, where's the actual gold? Where's, where are the nuggets um, that we can profit right away from each other's work? And how can we make a form an alliance and within a company that works on the long run and that keeps on giving, keeps on giving and keeps on developing good stuff. So here we go. Here we, we go. <laughs> we didn't want to stay with on our abstract level, but we thought about first of all, what are like the, the first things you can act on. So uh, kind of like something you can start, uh, oops, 
Um, you can start with uh, right away. Okay, I do have. Uh, can't you? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, so, kind of like what you can do right away, you can start. Well, today's Saturday. You can start on Monday. Act now, and it's open the vaults. Like both teams, just how do you say, give your treasures away and share. What I, as a research team, or what, what we as researchers can do, is really share results to enable the sales team. That sounds minor, but Honestly, if you're a researcher, ask yourself, are you really doing that? Because the thing is, as researchers, we are collecting so many insights, so much knowledge about the clients, and that knowledge can inform the sales team and it can help them improve the sales pitch desk, but also the internal sales guide. So as a researcher, I'm sitting on this mountain of knowledge, which can be really used um, yeah, and sales teams. So what can you do for me? So yeah, uh, also sales teams sit on a wealth of data. Uh, if they're properly structured, if a properly structured sales team and they, they, they work well with the CRM, they have a wealth of data that they collect on a daily basis. It, it starts with why do people buy and why do they not buy? Where do they come from? What are their needs? Why did they, why did they choose this? Why did they want this product in the first place? Um, all those things. And then there's, then there's clients that, that are not, that are not in the system or that are not buying anymore. We come to that later because that can, can be an ongoing thing. But to begin with, sales already has a wealth of data that they, if they share that with research, they can do something with it right away. And that will make it a much easier to then decide, yeah, this is an area that we want to look a bit uh, more closely at and that we want to dig deeper and really set up a proper uh, in-depth research. But as a superficial baseline of, of data, sales has all that. And you can be sure of that. Sometimes it's only in their heads and it's not very well structured, but it's still there. And, so, and if you're lucky, they have a good CRM system and it's all written and you can tap so, into that. So it's kind of turn your sales team into little researchers for you. Yeah. <laughs> so what can you do for me in the long run? Okay, so so on the long run, so the, the, the things we, we just had was, was stuff that you can do right away, stuff that is already there. And uh, for that to work on the long run, um, sales teams could, could, for example, collect some additional data just on the fly, because usually you have a sales sheet, you have a pitch deck or something, and you include certain questions that you always have because you need them for your sales process. And sometimes research could just drop in an extra question and say like, could you in your 25 question that you, that you ask any client anyway, add that 26 one and then do that for a week and then feed that back to, to research. No additional, ad, no, no research setup required, nothing. Just to know, just a, a good little- That would help so much. Uh, just a little indicator of, of this or that. Um, sales could also work as a door opener and cultural translator. If you work with a certain industry for a long time as a salesperson, you're very aware of the way they talk, what is their lingo, what is going on within their industry. If it's the financial industry, what, what are the latest 
the latest trends and the latest stuff they're talking about because this is how you establish the connection as a sales guy. And as a, as a product person or as a research person, sometimes you're a little more removed from the day-to-day -day that the clients are in, but you have to make an effort and work yourself in there. If there's regular meetings between sales guys and research guys, sales guys know all this stuff and they know, you know, there's been this article and everyone's talking about it. And, and so if a researcher has a, has some inter interviews, he has made way better, uh, possibilities to make connection, build rapport, and also be closer to the client. And then there's always clients that for one or the, or the other reason are not buying anymore, or they never bought, they never were clients in the first place, but they're still sometime, somehow in the system. And those are also, the, those are very, very important or can be very important um, points of contact for researchers to really see contact them again and, and find out what the underlying reason was why they didn't buy anymore. To the sales guy, they might have said, yeah, it's the price, you're too expensive. But research might find out it was something totally different. And um, so also those could be the, those I could share with you and then you could do your magic. <laughs> I can do my magic. And actually, when, you, when we talked about it, I mean, Point number three would have solved my problem with which we initially started this talk. Yes. You know, like me having to talk to those very specified B2B clients, less clients. Oh my gosh, I would have been happy to get that. Yeah. So, well, you offer me quite a lot. Let's see um, what I can offer you as a research team. Well, we already talked about that, that the research team also does have very, very in-depth knowledge about the client. Um, and as we look at number one, we can also be very helpful in clarifying. Because like we've been doing as researchers, we've been doing our jobs for, for years and for decades. And we are very good in understanding the difference between what the client says they need and what they really need. We're again at the point of like, hey, what do you want? It's often something different than what, do we, uh, what they need. So we can really help the sales team with that. Second, include salespeople into research. Um, ask them to be silent observers, silent listeners in your next research. Because the thing is, I mean, sales talks quite often, it's limited time. Um, the client has something else to do. They just scoop it in, give you 10 minutes or something. And they always have at the back of your head, oh, they want to sell me something. Research is scheduled like for a longer time. I, I have 30 minutes when I'm lucky I even have 60 minutes. I tell them I'm neutral and I don't want to sell them anything. And most of the time, those clients are way more honest with me as a researcher. They are way more willing to talk about problems, challenges and whatsoever because they know that I'm not going to tell like, oh, you have that problem. I have a solution. But I'm there to understand their problem to later on feed into product development. And last but not least, we also realized that there is a very strong point we as researchers can help you, the sales team, is um, we, can, we can consult you and really um, help you with underlying needs of a product. I mean, that sounds strange, but imagine that, you know, product is developed 
research is done in the beginning, uh, product team, developers, everything um, is coded, product goes on the market and then it's like, hey, dear sales team, have fun, bring it out there to the people. And the sales team re realized like, oh, I don't know, you know, it doesn't work, people don't want it whatsoever. Um, and we as researchers can be very helpful in informing the sales team, you know what, this product that was just developed answers to that problem and that is very very beneficial i think for everyone um, who is involved because at the very end of the day we we don't only have a common goal of putting the user into the focus but we also want to have the common goal of making um our businesses um successful yes and bringing that alliance together i think uh, is one of the key points to achieve that yeah so 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 the, in general the, the, the overall, the overall uh, topic that we have here is that there is already with a sales team in place and a product and research team in place, um, there's, you have something in your company where you immediately can profit from immediately and on the long run to make your company more successful, to sell more of your product and to make a better product at the same time by just working together between those those two departments however yes i have to say there is a limitation of this alliance um, as we talked about you know you can ask your sales team to include some research questions into sales pitches but the very very clear line for me is never include a sales pitch into research so there is really that's where i want the wall because I, as a researcher, I lose my credibility and I, I lose my connection. If I say to, to your user like, hey, I just want to learn about your problem. And at the very end, I'm still trying to sell them something because then they don't have the feeling that I was there just to understand. But then they have the feeling that I kind of used research to get a step into the, uh, into the room. And actually, the only thing I only wanted to do is selling. So, so... Nina called it the limits of the alliance. What we're saying is that although there should be an alliance, or we find it would find it very, we think that it's very profitable for any company for for those departments to work together uh, in the way that we just pointed out. It's there's not there shouldn't be a, a they shouldn't mesh together in, somehow. Um, there's still there's still two departments with two very distinct different jobs to do but while doing their jobs they can profit from the other's work but of course there are there's that's the limit of the alliance but it's also not uh, no blurry lines should occur there that's what i wanted to say <laughs> um well we are at the end of our talk um we really hope you enjoyed it um you want to learn more about research i mean you already heard about there is the needles academy Check it out, check out what's on the page. Um, you may also follow the Needles Academy or me personally on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm posting a lot of um, stuff about inside, a lot of stuff where uh, you might potentially learn from. I also do have a blog on Medium and we do have, or I do have a little treat here because in the Needles Academy, you can do online courses on uh, how to ask the right questions. So actually, 
how to do um, research, a course that helps you from A to Z in, uh, in your research endeavor. And with the code uh, you see here, the UX talks in, you get 20% off. Um, we will also share that code um, with the email you will receive after this call. So if you didn't manage to, to write it down, no worries, you will get it. And also, we do offer customized one-on-one -on -one coachings on a wide range of research-related topics. So you have a question, um, we can make like a coaching program for you. Please feel free, reach out to us um, under the email address that is shown here. Well, and I think we made our point of um, research on sales team an unlikely alliance, but a very profitable alliance. And thank you. Thank you guys very, very much for having us. Um, yeah, thank you very much. And we're looking forward to the questions. I think uh, thanks for this wonderful uh, discussion. I think this is very, really eye opener for all of us. And there is always a, we have a battle in our companies. So we have very hard discussion between uh, every, I just, I remind when you are talking, a lot of uh, scenarios are just recollecting you know, where sales guys and we are fighting literally, I have used the word fight here. So a lot of uh, our heated discussions we have in very past and hopefully as a lot of designers are here, so they are going into same battle in future. There are some decision makers also. So I hope you know, what you are putting towards them is really a wonderful. Uh, hope they will learn from this. And I just hope I ask Priyanka to, if there is question, please take from me. And, um, and thanks for uh, sharing uh, the coupon code for all the participants. Hope they will uh, take this opportunity and somewhere, you know, they will learn uh, this uh, genuine research thing and lot. So I just request everyone. So if Crossing our fingers. <laughs> Good luck and, to you guys. <laughs> yes. And as we are discussing earlier, hopefully in future, uh, we collaborate somewhere and we can launch something in India uh, to bring a lot of, uh, because Indian market is a little bit, uh, differently they would behave. So we definitely will look forward for that also. And uh, definitely uh, let's open the forum for questions. So please, if you have a question, please put, for, put in a chat box. So no so questions yet? See no questions. Either we, <laughs> we answered them all or our topic was so boring. Maybe everyone, is, everyone is, asleep. Is, is asleep or we answered our questions. <laughs> but but also again please stay in touch uh, contact us if you have any follow-up questions that you might think of tomorrow or some other time please stay in, in touch um, we know that was a very brief uh, thing so maybe you want something a uh, little more depth so please feel free to contact us oh, okay we have a question. yeah uh uh, so Nitin wants to know, um, it is mostly seen that research starts when a sale happens. Uh, so what possibility is of research being done without signing a deal? I'm not 100% sure whether I get that question fully. I, I, let me rephrase and maybe write in the chat whether I get it. So is it like, how can I do research if a product hasn't been sold yet? 
Uh, Nitin, could you yes. speak? Yes, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, the thing is, honestly, I really like that question. I think to make your product success successful, there is a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done before you can make your first sale. So you have to think about, oh, who could be... Uh, well, first of all, you have to think about, okay, what problem is out there I want to solve? How can I solve that problem? Who might be the potential target group? So by the time what well, you or your company is ready to, to like sign the first deal, there should have been a lot of research um, going on beforehand. And potentially you might now think like, oh, Nina said, oh, recruiting those B2B people is so difficult. Um, what we do when we are in an area where we don't have our clients yet, we think about, okay, what or who might be similar to my target group? You know, maybe I, I don't get to recruit my own target group, but maybe who's similar, who else can I talk to, who else can I reach out to? And that is also very successful. So, but to do that, um, what it says in the question, usually you do research after you've had your sort of proof of concept and made already some sales. Uh, that can backfire in a big way. We had an instance in Germany, we had a, a TV show that is sort of like Shark Tank in the US, where you, you pitch in front of investors and there were two investors, uh, two young entrepreneurs that pitched a a product for female hygiene that they had already sold somehow and they thought it was cool and some of the investors one investor invested and they they ran in an enormous shitstorm uh, online because uh, actually they did not do any research and um, the, the vast majority of women were sort of offended by the product and they took it off the market three weeks later. And so that was a very good example of, yes, you can even find an investor for your product. You can sell a couple hundred things of this, but if you didn't do your research, you probably, you, you will most probably fail. Yeah. And not even, maybe not as spectacular as those guys, but spectacularly, maybe. Yeah. I'm just seeing that, that, that uh, there is another like uh, topping on, on uh, what we just said. So it's like the questions. So basically it would initially be sale related research and then the issue related research. Actually, no, it's the other way around. You start with the issue related research because you can only make a product successful if you have fully understood the problem the user has. And if you then, when you start building your product, whether that product solves that problem. So you start with the issue-related research. Uh, we have another question from Bhumika. She wants to know what are research methods do you have you used during the COVID situation? Well, I mean, uh, that's a good one. Of course, the entire COVID situation, like all, uh, yeah, brought us into, into our homes, uh, offices closed down. So anything we did face-to-face -face beforehand, uh, interviews, group discussions, uh, observations was just plain not possible. What we were able to do is like really bring those interviews online. So like the last, I don't know, 15 months, I've done uncountable um, interviews via video conference. So that is the main thing. I mean, surveys, uh, well, you don't need to do it face-to-face. -face, so that is done, uh, done uh, online anyhow. Um, but the thing is, I would say we brought kind of like 95% into the remote world, quite successful. 
We have I see I see we have another question from from, from Narasima. Um, what are some important questions or areas to explore that need to be in research script that will help to sell the product or service? And that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, now this is exactly what's in the course, uh, in, in that online course, because that would definitely be too much to answer right mm -hmm. now. It's a it's it's quite substantial field, but this is exactly what the course is for. Um, this all those questions will be answered in the course. Uh, we have a question uh, from uh, Sharon. He wants to know how do you convince the clients to perform research, especially during instances where the clients feels that you know they already know everything about the pain points and just need the new design as soon as possible. Okay, this is the multi-million-dollar question because that always happens. Let's put it that way. I do have some things on how how I do it, how I pitch it before I talk about it. I also have to be quite open. Um, at a certain point, I feel like um, if I am working with the CEOs, with founders and everything who feel that they know everything and they honestly don't want to do research, it's not my it's not my job to evangelize them. And I'm not gonna, if, if you have a real research opposer, um, you won't be able to evangelize them. But let me talk about like how I do it. If I have uh, people who say like, oh, I don't need research. I already know everything. First of all, my question would be, uh, where do you know it from? Um, because the main thing why a lot of companies and startups fail is that uh, the founders or the product designers or so on, um, mistake themselves as the main users. And most of the time they're not, you know? So it might be that I maybe use the product, but still, I, you know, just because me or my mom or my husband or whatsoever say, this is a great idea. Honestly, do you really wanna like um, spend millions of dollars of development because of your gut feeling? Because you think you know, or because your mom or your um, friends say um, that is a great idea. So I'm going through um, the business value there. Um, and the other thing I always recommend people is like, if you are in an environment where um, people say like, oh, we don't, need, we don't need research, we already know everything. I always recommend start with guerrilla research. So you realize, okay, I'm not going to get the budget. Uh, no one wants to do it. You know, start, just start doing interviews yourself. Um, see what you can find out with the uh, little short interceptions, with little short interviews, write it down, build a presentation. Actually, I had that case, I think uh, three weeks ago, same thing. Stakeholder was like, okay, I don't need research. I, I know the industry. We did some with my support, some guerrilla research. They made interviews and actually the founder, when I talked to him, uh, said like, oh my gosh, this was eye-opening from now on, we will do research. So as Nike, just do it. No, and also also don't think that, that I think it was what, what Nina just pointed out was, was excellent because the research doesn't always mean it costs a lot of money. Uh, this kind of guerrilla research can be done with a very, very small budget and can already create interesting insights. Okay, let's, I'm just taking the next question because honestly, that's a question that um, 
I can't answer here. Again, please check out the course, how to analyze UX research. I think we can do a weekend workshop uh, just on that topic. Um, just one thing, and that also leads to the next one. Make sure before you start any UX research that you do have hypothesis. So what do you want to um, evaluate? What do you want to um, validate? And then later on in the analysis, you say like, okay, that hypothesis, check mark, or that didn't work. Next one, I think goes to you. Yeah, Narazima also asked, uh, should we involve salespeople while building hypotheses for research? And I would say, yes, do, yeah. because they, they can help you. Um, they can help you avoid major mistakes and they will not know everything and they will not they will not even know what a hypothesis is, but if you just talk to them, um, they will point you in the right direction, and then you can uh, you you can avoid four or five four completely wrong hypotheses, and just start with three, and then figure out which one the right one is. So yes, um, absolutely, include us. Okay, great. I just see questions popping in. I think it's more interesting than we thought. But <laughs> I love that. So. I'm um, I, what are the most common problems you face during research? Holy moly. Um, the most common is uh, participants don't show up. No show rate is a real challenge. Um, people who don't want to talk to you where I'm wondering why they participate in research. I'm just like, it, it's great that you show up, but why, why are you here? And then last but not least, um, technology, prototype, that well carefully built doesn't work you know all those tiny little things you just can't foresee beforehand um do sales experts have to change their way of research post-covid or during covid situation uh i, I think it's research experts oh, oh, okay. um, as users mental condition is not as strong as it was before covid oh you? that is a good one i think um I think none of us really knows what happens by the time this awful situation is hopefully over at some point and what happens. I mean, that is the one thing. Um, the other thing is, I think it depends on the product. Um, but what I do see based on the research I've conducted in various fields in the last 15 months, I do see that people use products differently. Um, I mean, like, like, I guess it's the same in India, but like in, uh, in Germany, people are more in home office. Um, they, 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 they have less interaction, you know, I don't know, Netflix and streaming went big, but also food or growing, you know, so, so many things changed in the last 15 months. Um, let's see whether this is just a short thing that changed or whether, I don't know what of these things we keep and, um, yeah, let's see. Okay. Next question is: Can can should salespeople be part of user research, and what type of questions should we prepare for them? Well, salespeople cannot be part of a regular user research. There, there are not users per se, but they you can definitely uh, prepare some special questions only for them mm -hmm. uh, that they will know. This is exactly what we're, we're getting at in, in our talk. And this is a great question because yes, they, they you wouldn't call it user research. You will call it salespeople research or whatever, yeah. but you will definitely um, 
ask them some 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 questions and i think also again here to 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 tell you the questions that you should, pr should probably ask would probably be too much for this now, uh, for this format, but um, you can contact us and we might be able to help you, but yes, yeah. include them. We have a great question by Sharan. He wants to know, are there any ethics clashes between the sales and the design team? Because uh, he has given an example where, you know, the sales team might promote a dark uh, pattern for, you know, the sale, but the design team, promote, you know, opposes it. So uh, how do you deal with that? Um, yes, it's, uh, it's actually more common than you would think. I've been there. Um, I mean, let's put it that way. I think it's kind of like, an abstract discussion because I think or, or I had to say it's also business discussion <clears throat> because like if you include a lot of dark patterns in your design the the risk of using clients is really really high so potentially you know you might raise your your sales um, very very short term uh, but the retention rate whoa will just go into the seller so most of the time uh, I see it, that it's not the sales team asking um, to include something specific, but it's rather stakeholders saying like, okay, yeah. we have to sell that more. And that is not the sales team because the sales team is not interested in tricking users into something. It's rather the stakeholders. And then it's, well, quite sophisticated internal stakeholder management. Let's put it that way with long discussions. And it, as Nina just pointed out, I think that was a really good point salespeople want to keep clients they want to keep them coming back and make more money um, because this is this is where they get their commission this is where where their whole life circles around those numbers they're not interested in one shots or in cheap or in cheap shots where they where clients never come back okay um so we have a question from teja um do such a case have occurred possibility that the sales numbers conflicting with quantitative research metrics? I'm not sure I understand the I question. Un I understand the question. Okay. It's a, it's, a really, it's a really good one and I have okay. to think about it. Um, so I guess the question relates to whether quantitative research showed uh, we will have high sales and the sales number were not that high. Probably didn't match it. Didn't Ma probably match. didn't match it. Well, let's put it that way. I mean, quantitative research is about, how to say, quantitative research is always about the past because you ask people how, well, about two things. It's, it's either about the past, like what have you been doing, like how often do you use something or whatsoever, or it's about trying to ask users to prospect the future. Could you imagine buying that? So the, the numbers of people saying, oh, yes, great idea, and them actually buying it, they never match. But, 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 but that is actually quite a known, known fact. Okay. Then what a salesperson problem in research. Um, what is a salesperson's problem with research? Or? No, I, I understand it that way. Why is it a problem to include a salesperson into research? Um, and I would always say, well, as we talked about, it's the neutrality. Um, research and research, there shouldn't be any pitches of 
products. So you can Sales be silent listeners and observers. Salespeople cannot help themselves. They will try to sell at some point. Mm -hmm. So they, you, mm -hmm. you, they, they can listen and they can watch and learn. But if you include them and they can open their mouths <laughs> at some point, they will try to sell. That's what they do. And that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, but don't put them in there. Um, okay. Um, so there, there's another explanation. I think that's not a question. And a nice thank you from Sharon. Um, excellent. Yeah, I think that's concluded today. Uh, I think, yeah, Priyanka, yes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It was a great session. I, I, I think everyone uh, learned a lot. And I hopefully think that they'll join you guys for your course. And uh, thank you for uh, this amazing, like, giving us an insight on this topic. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, also, uh, I would like to announce our next talk, which is going to be on the 22nd. And uh, Dr. Giles uh, Morrison is going to be speaking about the clinical UX and COVID. So um, today we had um, quite a few questions about COVID. So probably you should join and you know, you'll get to get more insights on the topic. So I'll see you over there. Um, thank you and bye-bye. Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you, bye-bye. Thanks bye. once again. And uh, hopefully this COVID situation resolved quickly and we can be on, on track quickly. And we can do good user research quality. Uh, once again, thanks for your time. Thanks for participants and hope. Uh, so take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.